Hi, and welcome to the Local Church Podcast. I'm Jake Chambers, and I get to be the host of this podcast. And we are a church plant, a little church community, learning to be with Jesus together in Gate Harbor in Port Orchard, Washington. We're not experts, but learners, learning not just about Jesus, but how to be with Jesus, to be still, to be present, to be local, to be with Jesus in this moment, enjoying him together. So whether you've been following Jesus for decades or are just now starting to explore him, you can come, learn with us, learn to be with Jesus together with us. May you be blessed by this podcast and may more and more of heaven be breaking into your life into Gig Harbor, into Port Orchard, so that it might be on earth as it is in heaven. Thanks for listening. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. These are the words of Jesus found in Revelation chapter two, uh, verses two through four. As we look at chapter 2 together, what we're seeing is a letter, specific letters to seven specific churches. We'll look at four of them today in Revelation 2, and the next three next week in Revelation 3. And these are letters from Jesus. Uh, Each letter kind of has a specific structure. Uh, There'll be an intro from Jesus showing some of his characteristics and his power. Uh, then there'll be an encouragement or commendation for what you're do- they're doing well or a word of comfort. And then a word of correction or warning for areas where the church is not following in Jesus' ways or going their own ways or following the ways of the world or culture. And then finally, that word of warning will end with uh, judgment for those that don't heed the warning and reward for those who do uh, heed the warning and churn and follow in Jesus' ways. And so each one of the letters will kind of follow that pattern. And the best way to kind of go through those is we're just going to go through each of these letters and I'll make a comment or two on them and we'll continue through and see what does Jesus have to say to us, his church, uh, through uh, what he spoke to the church of about a couple thousand years ago, these seven specific churches. And seven, again, is important. Uh, seven was an important number for them. It, it meant also completion or perfection. It referenced the seven-day Sabbath cycle of the Jewish people and that God created in seven days uh, and then rested on the seventh day. And so the seven churches means it was written to these specific churches for that specific time first century author to a first century church in a first century world, Uh, but it's also written to the whole church. That's why it's seven. It's to the complete church. It was a circular letter for all the churches of that time, and also it speaks to us, his church today. 
So let's go through uh, these letters. To the angel of the church in Ephesus, this is chapter 2, verse 1, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. If you remember from chapter 1 that the golden lampstands symbolized the churches. So lampstand is kind of a symbol for a church. And the first reminder here is that Jesus uh, is the one that walks among his churches. Uh, he's with us. He's not at a distance just ruling over us. He's not some sort of cosmic Santa Claus keeping a list of who's naughty or nice from a distance. Um, but he's actually walking with us, showing us his ways, listening to us, befriending us. He walks among his church. Um, then he says, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance. How you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I knew you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. And Jesus sees every area of your life where you are walking in truth, where you're fighting to, to believe in him and trust in him and not just bending to false teachings. Uh, he encouraged this church in Ephesus. He says, man, I know you're enduring patiently. That It takes patience to not just embrace every teaching that comes around or every fad that comes around, but, but to endure patiently and keep walking in the ways of Jesus. Um, that can cause you to grow weary. Maybe you feel weary with that. Maybe you have family or friends or coworkers that um, are just berating you for believing in Jesus and you're losing patience and Jesus sees your work. He encourages you. He says, continue to endure. Um, so that's the word of encouragement for this church. The warning though, he says, I have this against you. You've abandoned the love you had at first. Remember therefore from where you have fallen Repent and do the works you did at first. If not, well, I'll come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Uh, he says he'll take the church away because the church is ruled by love. He says don't fall from your first love. The, we become a follower of Jesus because we love Jesus, because we realize how much he loved us. John says, First John says we love because he first loved us, that we see that, man, he loved us so much that he died for us, that he forgives us, that he longs to be with us, that he speaks truth to us, that he's gracious to us. And that causes us to be in love with him and do works of love for others. And what happens here is what happens a lot of times is it starts with loving Jesus, but then it just becomes all head. And what Ephesus has gotten is, is their head knowledge is great. They're all about right teaching. They're all about knowing good doctrine and, and keeping false teachers out. And Jesus says, that's important. I encourage you in that. But he says, you've forgotten about the heart. You forgot that being a follower of me is about love and that I love you and you get to love me and love others. So he says, come back. Repent is um, a word that means come back, come back, come back to my ways, ways of love. And so we want to remember to have the heart of Jesus, to love him and love others and do the works of love. Uh, verse 6 says this, Yet this you have, you hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. We'll talk about that later because they come up later in another letter. And he says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Uh, one of the really cool things in these letters is 
how they're really specific to what was going on in that city. And so in the city of Ephesus, there's a temple to a goddess named Artemis. And in the temple of, um, in the, in that temple, uh, not in the temple, but in the surrounding areas, kind of the whole temple grounds, that's the word I'm looking for, grounds, there was a garden. And in that garden, there was a sacred tree and people would leave gifts and idols and make shrines out of the tree. And the tree was actually even on some of their money and their coins. And uh, those who, uh, criminals could actually go near the tree and that would be a place of asylum where they wouldn't be allowed to be captured and they could claim asylum and safety by going there. And so Jesus is pointing to his tree of life. We see that in the Garden of Eden, the beginning in creation, this tree of life that is from Jesus, which is in the true garden, the paradise of God. Um, And we see the tree of life come again at the end of Revelation. Uh, when the new creation in God's garden comes to earth, heaven on earth. He says, for the one that conquers the temptation, the one that returns to Jesus, uh, they get the true tree of life, uh, the heavenly tree of life in God's heavenly garden forever and ever. So this beautiful reward. Verse 8, And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write the words of the first and the last who died and came to life. Again, these are Jesus' words, the first and last, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and end, who died and came to life. He died for us, and he is alive evermore. He says, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. And for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not hurt, be hurt by the second death. Here, there's actually no, um, no correction. The Church of Smyrna had no correction, just uh, comfort and God's comforting presence and warning of that they're, they're going to have to suffer for Jesus. They're under intense persecution. Um, from the Roman world, but also from the Jews. Uh, he, he very, Jesus makes a very politically incorrect s- statement, even calling um, the Jews' synagogue there a synagogue of Satan, uh, saying that, and this is part of the story of God, where God's chosen people, the Jews, they pointed to Jesus. They, they weren't perfect. They pointed to Jesus, so Jesus needed to come. He fulfilled everything Israel was supposed to fulfill. And then Jesus makes a new people. Paul talks about in Romans 2, um, that it doesn't matter if you were born a Jew, it matters if you're a Jew in heart. What he means is that you worship Jesus, that you love God in his ways. And if you're a Jew and reject Jesus, um, then you're just believing the lies of Satan, the lies of Satan that, that don't point you to Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life, that Jesus being the promised Messiah for God's people. Uh, and so the people in Smyrna are, are suffering uh, for following Jesus and not just following Jewish or religious tradition, um, which can happen to us today. We can, we can be persecuted for not just following religious tradition or what is religiously popular in our area. Um, it is not popular to say that Jesus is the only way, that Jesus is the way, truth, and the life. Uh, but that is what, what Jesus proclaims in his follower of Jesus. That's what we believe. Um, we don't believe that uh, all paths lead up the same mountain, which is a popular thing that 
Buddhism, Hinduism, Mormonism, Christianity, they're, they're just different paths up the same mountain. That You're taking a different trail from a different side. Um, that's popular today, but that's not what Jesus would say. Um, Jesus would say those other paths are the path of Satan. They're going to lead you to death. And Jesus alone is the way to life and life eternal. And so the church in Smyrna is going to face persecution and he's encouraging press on press on until death and he'll give you the crown of life meaning they can't really take life from you because Jesus is the one who gives life and gives life eternal and this crown is specific too because Smyrna was actually um, it looked like a crown it was a city on a steep hill and the temples they had um, temples for their gods set up on the hill that kind of made it look like the hill was wearing a crown um, and so it was kind of known as like this crown city. There's a, there a lot of symbolism in when Jesus is saying, you're the ones who are going to wear the true crown. These temples aren't the true crown that are set up here. The, the true crown, the crown of life, will be around your head. Your head will get to be uh, crowned with life and life abundant and life eternal. Uh, so more beautiful encouragement there. To the church in Pergamum, verse 12. And to the angel of the church in Pergamum, write the words of him who has the sharp two-edged sword. I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, that you hold fast to my name, and you did not deny my faith. Even the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was killed among you, where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you. You have some there who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel, so that they might eat food, sacrifice to idols, and practice sexual morality. So also you have some who hold the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Therefore repent. If not, I will come to you soon and war against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone with a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. So a lot going on here. Uh, one of the things about Pergamum is it was where um, the governor's, the Roman governor's headquarters were. So a lot of theologians believe that they're talking about that as Satan's throne. It was also where a temple for Zeus was. Um, so some think that it's referring to Zeus's temple as Satan's throne. Um, but the, the idea of the Roman governor being it and why uh, I think that might be who it's focusing on is the Roman governor was seen as a type of God. Um, also, when he talks about Antipas, the faithful witness, being killed, it shows you that the Roman governor rules by the sword. Um, either worship Rome and their gods or, or die. And this is Satan ultimately behind this. And Antipas is this faithful witness. He actually, Jesus giving him this title, faithful witness, it's the same title that Jesus will take on himself in the book of Revelation. So it's just great honor. Uh, Jesus is so honoring Antipas' faithfulness unto death to give him even this beautiful title of a faithful witness who is killed by the sword, uh, killed by ultimately Satan, is who is behind um, this governing rule in the city. And it says, that Jesus, though, Jesus, the words of him who has the sharp two-edged sword, Jesus' sword is his words. Christians, we are, we're not forced by military might to become Christians. Um, we become Christians because 
of the love of Jesus that he shares with us through his life, actions, and words. That his words, the Bible says that if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. That it's Jesus' words that invites us into a life of life and life abundant. He doesn't rule through violence. And yeah, there's terrible history like the Crusades where there was violent rule. That wasn't Jesus leading that. Jesus leads through invitation. He welcomes all to come to him. His words are his sword. Um, and they, the truth cuts through the lies. And as followers of Jesus, we are invited into that. Uh, then verse 14 kind of goes into this um, warning and correction. He says, I have a few things against you. You have some who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel so that they might eat food, sacrifice to idols, and practice sexual morality. This is an Old Testament story. And what had happened there was uh, they essentially sent God's people, the Israelites, um, a lot of women to seduce them, get them to marry them, and get them to uh, worship their idols. And now he's saying probably the Nicolaitans um, are doing something similar. And what had happened in this time, in this culture, as uh, you would go to the temples and you would party. There would be prostitutes hanging around the temples. So prostitution, partying, partying um, eating food that was sacrificed to idols. And this was just kind of a cultural Norm, And it seems that some in the church in Pergamum are just going along with it. And Jesus is saying, repent. This, these are not my ways. Come back to me. In the end, he says, I'll give some of the hidden manna, and I'll give him a white stone with a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. And uh, historians point out that at that time, uh, to, if you were invited to maybe even one of those kind of temple worship prostitution parties, um, you might get invited by it through a white stone. A white stone was one of the ways that you, was kind of like a ticket almost at that time. Um, it would have maybe an idol engraved on it, and that would be kind of your invitation into one of these parties. And so many believe that Jesus is saying, when he says a white stone with your name written on it, that he's inviting us to the greater feast, the greater party. Don't eat food sacrificed to idols. He has hidden manna for you and a personal invitation to you to an eternal feast, an eternal party with Jesus forever and ever and ever. So don't fall into the ways of the world. Hold out for, for a heavenly feast, an eternal heavenly party with Jesus. It's pretty good news and uh, encouraging. Continuing on, verse 18. Uh, thanks for listening. I know this is a longer podcast this week. It was a longer sermon on Sunday. A lot to get through here. Verse 18, And to the angel of the church in Thyatira, write, The words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your works, your love, and faith, and service, and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. But I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual morality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual morality. Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of her works. And I will strike her children dead, and all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart, and I will give to each of you according to your works. But to the rest of you in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden. Only hold fast what you have until I come. 
to the one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron, as when earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as myself have received my authority from the Father. And I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Okay, a lot there, a lot there. Um, some more contextual stuff. Thyatira, this city, was a city where uh, one of the primary trades was metal and bronze work. Uh, and the coins that they had there actually had the Roman emperor on the coin and, and it would say the son of God. Uh, and also on those coins would be the god uh, Apollo Tyrimnaeus. And he was the, the patron deity of the bronze trade. And so those who worked in metal and bronze kind of wor worshipped that idol. And so Jesus was revealing himself. He says the words of the son of God. He's the son of God, not the Roman Empire who has eyes like a flame of fire. He, his eyes are the eyes that see everything. And whose feet are like burnished bronze. So he's coming in the strength of bronze to this bronze metal worker. And he's saying he is really the god of bronze, not Apollo Tyrimnaeus. Again, it's really specific to the city. Then you can go into these warnings with Jezebel. Um, so many theologians believe that um, the prophet, this was a, there was potentially a prophetess teaching. Her name probably wasn't Jezebel. It's probably referencing uh, King Ahab's wife in the Old Testament who was really uh, destructive and a bell worshiper um, and is giving her that title. Uh, but it seems like probably a really um, popular prophetess who was leading idol worship. And again, just a lot of the stuff we talked about in the Pergamum chapter, um, idol worship that included sacrificing food to idols and just parties and feasts and sexual morality, prostitution, all the works of, of that um, that was just a part of the Thyatiran culture. And it's just, we can fall into that same thing, lust and pornography and just falling into greed and just all sorts of sexual morality that is, seems normal for the culture and just say, well, this is just how things are. And Jesus says, if you just jump into that, then you get to be a part of the death that it leads to. John 10.10 10 says, Jesus gives life and life abundant, but the thief, the enemy, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And if you go into the ways of the enemy, you're going into the ways of death. If you follow the ways of Jesus, you're following into the ways of life. He says, to the one who conquers, they get to rule with Jesus. They get to share in his authority. Um, again, specific to the context, this is you get a rule with a rod of iron. This would make sense to a metalworking community. And he says, I'll give him the morning star, um, which later in the uh, revelation, we see that Jesus is called the bright morning star. That uh, this, So it seems like he's saying, I will give him myself, that we get to be with Jesus, that our reward for faithfulness, for not falling into the ways of culture, is that we get to be with Jesus that we get to learn to be with Jesus together. Pastor theologian John Stott um, has looked at these seven letters and said that there's, they show us different marks of a faithful church. And so the marks for these first four, he points to as Ephesus, is this mark of love. A local church, we want to be a church marked by love, motivated by love, led by love, loving Jesus and loving others. 
this is the mark of the Smyrna church is that it's a, it's a church that suffers with Jesus. Um, if you're listening to this, you will suffer. Every human suffers. We don't get to just skip suffering. But for followers of Jesus, there is purpose to our suffering. Our suffering reminds us of Jesus' suffering on the cross for us. Um, we suffer as a faithful witness pointing to Jesus. This is the mark of the Pergamum church, that it's a healthy church. It points to truth, that we walk in truth, that we, we don't just go with what's popular in the world or culture, um, but we go to God's word and we let that shape us, that we're shaped by truth, that we proclaim truth, that we know the truth, and if you know the truth, the truths will set you free, that we believe freedom isn't in just buying every lie, but f- true freedom comes from the truth of Jesus and following in the ways of Jesus. And finally, uh, Stott says the mark of the Thyatiran church is, is this call to holiness, this call to become more like Jesus. Are you becoming more like Jesus? Are you growing in his likeness? Are you seeking and pursuing holiness? We get to be a church, be a people, be a community, following Jesus in the ways of love, following Jesus, the suffering servant, dying to the things of the world and living to Christ, following Jesus in truth, proclaiming it, being shaped by it, and following Jesus who is holy so that we might become more like him in a holy and faithful witness to the world. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Local Church Podcast. We are a church in Gig Harbor in Port Orchard that is learning to be with Jesus together. If you'd like to know more, you could find us on Instagram at localchurchgh or online at localchurchgh.com. Feel free to reach out to us and we can get you directions to a gathering. We meet every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and you are invited. We'd love to see you there. With that, let me leave you with this blessing. May the love of God the Father and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you.